What's up, everyone? Good morning, everybody. How you doing? It's me, your boy, Ryan Flowers, a.k.a. Clutch Sports Talk, and I'm back in the house again with another edition. I've been off a little bit, but I'm back, and I'm back with a vengeance today. Welcome to Sunday Wake Up With Me. Hope you guys are doing all right. We got lots to discuss today. I want to talk about um, some recent developments coming out of the Washington Commanders camp pertaining to owner, current owner, Daniel Snyder. Uh, <laughs> what a wild situation that is and what it what what kind of impact it has on the potential sale of the Washington Commanders to the Josh Harris group. Also, I want to talk about the NFL and their decisioning to choose or select the uh, New York Jets and why the Jets are not happy. But as a consumer, I don't care how the Jets feel about why they are on the hard knocks, but I'll give you a good reason why they were selected out of the other teams that were kind of in the fray there. And then we'll move on to the AFC West preview uh with the season about 50 plus days ahead of us here i'm gonna start breaking down each and every division um giving you guys a little bit of insight about each of the teams so be on the lookout for that and finally we'll wrap up the show today this morning um with the 10 most top 10 most impactful players in the afc west so you guys don't want to miss out on that so if you haven't already subscribed to the YouTube channel, do that right now. That'd be one of the best decisions you ever make. And I'm glad to be back on another Sunday morning with you guys. So just sit back, strap in, relax. This is Clutch Sports Talk and FS Sunday. Wake up with me, Ryan Flowers. You guys know what to do. Let's go. <laughs> Good morning, good morning once again. Hope you guys are doing all right. It's a glorious Sunday morning. It's about 8 a.m. here for me on the West Coast and 11 a.m. Eastern in the East Coast, wherever you guys are watching and listening. I appreciate you guys, man. We got a fantastic show in store for you guys today. But like I always say before, before I get started, make sure if you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel, if you like what you see, make sure you drop that like, subscribe. And if you're watching right now, hey, feel free to comment right now. Uh, we already got some comments in the morning already. We got Sports PSP, also part of the Grid Network. He says, um, what does he say? He says, uh, how you doing, Ryan? Daniel Snyder is the worst owner besides James Dolan of the Knicks. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 up there. And then also my boy Patrick Brown says, my favorite NFL show to watch, Long Live the Grid. So good morning to you guys there. And if you will, feel free to chime on in in the comment section. That's what it's there for. And if you haven't already, share the stream with everybody with your with your mom, your dad, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your baby mama, baby daddy, anybody that want to watch about some, uh, learn about the NFL or anything pertaining to the NFL, this is the place to be. So, all right. With that said, man, I want to talk about Daniel Snyder. So recently, some new developments came out this Thursday um, that could hamper the potential sale of the Washington Commanders to the Josh Harris group. Now, Daniel Snyder has agreed in principle, to sell the team for roughly about a little over $6 billion to the Josh Harris group, which includes himself and Magic Johnson. I forgot the other uh, person involved there, the stakeholder in there. But nonetheless, um, the sale could potentially be in danger. Um, I, I still think it'll get done. Now, there will be a meeting for owners, an emergency meeting, I believe July 20th, which will kind of finalize the sale if everything goes well. But however, though, there is a situation with Daniel Snyder because he is looking to basically get out of any type of legality, um, com not compensation, but indemnification. So he basically doesn't want, does not want to be liable for anything that comes out of a or, or, uh, actual, uh, what's the word? A, uh, a situation with John Gruden and his lawsuit filed against the national football league. So 
to kind of pack everything together. It's kind of an interesting situation. Um, so we all know what happened to John Gruden. Some emails were leaked about him communicating um, to other people uh, in regards to certain players, uh, the NFL PA uh, leader, Demoris Smith, things of that nature. And the, the, the statements made in those emails were not very flattering. Obviously, that's why he got the boot. Um, so that came out. Um, but then Daniel Sanders says, well, listen. I wasn't the I wasn't the responsible party for leaking that information. Well, and I'll get to that in just a second. <laughs> now it gets even messier too, because Daniel Snyder, Daniel Snyder is not the complete owner of the Washington Commanders. His sister Michelle Snyder is also somewhat of a co-owner um, in the in the team itself, and she she herself she's not looking to 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 help indemnify the league owners in regards to any situation that may pertain to the the league and what happens or the outcome with the John Gruden um, filings that he, you know, that he's proceeding with here shortly. So that kind of caused a rift through the wholesale because guess what? The NFL, they don't want to be the sole responsible uh, liability holders for anything that happens for John Gruden and what happens in his case filings and things of that nature. So it's a very precarious situation. And the funny thing about all this is that Daniel Snyder again. He's very he's very adamant that he did not leak any information about John Gruden, which is kind of interesting because if, if for those who don't know, back in June uh, 2021, same year that the you know the Gruden the Gruden emails came out, Daniel Snyder had a meeting with the top NFL brass and basically came in with his lawyers and the NFL's lawyers were there and in New York they sat down and they presented a PowerPoint right. And the PowerPoint wasn't basically like saying, uh, you know, I'm sorry for what happened. And mind you, he's he was being investigated uh, for sexual misconduct within the workplace from Beth Wilkinson, a former employee of the commanders. Right. So he brings he cuts his PowerPoint. He brings it into the NFL. They're looking at it. And this PowerPoint is, is not any type of contrite um, response from Daniel Snyder. Basically, it's a blackmail PowerPoint. He has all types of e emails and communications from top NFL brass, including Jeff Pash, one of Roger Goodell's right-hand mans in the National Football League offices. And so basically he's, he used that email as leverage to say, hey, I know you guys are looking at into me in regards to the Wilkinson investigation, but you guys can't, you can't, you guys can't call me out when you got people in your own organization pretty much doing the same exact things. So in return, basically what you guys are going to do is – you're going to lessen my sentence or my suspension, and I'm going to go, go on my merry way. And indeed, that's exactly what happened because later on later on that year, actually the next month, Roger Dale came out, you know, kind of levied the, the, the sanctions per se, said that, you know, he would have to step away from some time. Never really said the word suspension and really never was like he's gone for a year. He's gone for eight months. It kind of just faded, right? And Daniel Snyder got off the hook. So how does this relate to the Gruden emails? Listen. It just proves that John, I mean, excuse me, Daniel Snyder will do anything to, to save himself, okay? So I'm pretty sure he did leak this information. And why did he leak that information? To take the light off of him, right? To take the light off of him so that way, therefore, they don't have to worry about him and he can continue being the owner of the Washington Commanders. But in the end, his emails kind of supplanted him anyway because he ends up having to give up the, the, the team regardless. So, but he doesn't want to be on the hook for it uh, later on, if Gruden does win his case against the National Football League, he doesn't want to be legally responsible for any financial hardship or anything that has to be paid out to John Gruden and his estate. So that's what makes it this a very 
puzzling situation because it can hamper the sale of this team because Josh Harris and this group, <clears throat> they don't, they don't want, you know, they have to, they're going to have to pay $6 billion for the team anyway. They don't want to have to come in as well and have to pay John Gruden out along with the league when they weren't even a part of the situation to begin with. Okay. Now I'm not saying John Gruden was right for what he did because some of the emails and the communication that he was sending was pretty damning to himself. Right. But look, most of these people, they're looking past that. John Gruden felt that he was violated because the information was leaked and he's not the only guy. Think about when you're driving on the highway and you get pulled over for speeding and you look around on the highway and you're like, look, there's 500 other people speeding, but you just got caught. That's how it goes sometimes, unfortunately. It's happened to me several times. And all you got to do is just live with it. But this situation, it, it, you know, like I said, the league is supposed to meet on July 20th to determine whether or not what's going to happen with this, uh, with the sale of the team. I think it'll get done, um, but it's not going to be an open and shut case because Josh Harris and their group, they're going to have to really look back at this and say, okay, Daniel Snyder doesn't want to be on the hook for it, and neither do we. This not this did not happen under our watch. And the league themselves, the NFL, they don't want to be part of this themselves, a part of this themselves. So they're looking for indemnification as well. Um, so indemnification basically is uh, you compensating another party for some type of possible uh, damage or loss. And no one wants to do that, but if anyone's going to do it, the NFL is going to be on the hook. But Dan Snyder make, has made it clear he doesn't want to be on the hook for that, for sure. So, uh, which I, I get it, but listen, Dan Snyder's not a good dude at all, man. He you know he may be a billionaire, but it seems like over time, he, he like he's just not a great guy. And unfortunately, you know, he's just... Uh, He's he's a rich, powerful dude, and in the end, he'll probably get out of this anyway. So, but anyway, let's let's check out uh, let's check out the comments here. Uh, Sports PSP says, as I said on his pod, when whether Snyder or Goodell leaked the emails for Gruden or not, it still doesn't ignore no excuses, bigotry, or deplorable comments. On top of that, he was unproductive. Oh yeah, I mean yeah, of course. You know, you what this situation is is that it's a bunch of guys that are basically they're in they're in the fire and they're just using each other to try to get up out the fire. That's all it is. They're, they're all they're all guilty of what they've done. Gruden, Snyder, the National Football League, <clears throat> they're all guilty. <laughs> but they're they're all trying to find where they can lame the blame. Essentially, that's exactly what they're trying to do. Uh, ben says, um, "Longer this pay this longer this plays out, the commander sale, the harder it's going to be for the franchise moving forward." Um, in my own opinion, the Snyder, the Snyder's are holding on onto their franchise for as long as, of course. You know, they, they've had it for, you know, God knows what, 30 years, at least something like that, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but they haven't been fruitful. OK. Parnell from Sports PC writes back. He says Snyder, of course, wants to be wants to take no responsibility and find a way to protect his money. I mean, yes, of course. And my boy, Bay Grant from the All Even podcast, he says, welcome back. Appreciate you, my guy. Uh, John Gruden was a scapegoat for the owners, uh, essentially, in his BS. Yeah, I mean, yeah, essentially, that's what it is. He's the fall guy. He's the fall guy, and now John is back out for his revenge. He's so it's, it's, this is a nasty game that's being played right now. And uh, Ben says Daniel Snyder is treating Josh Harris like Tom Hanks and Shelley Long right now. <laughs> that's a good one. I like that one. And then uh, Parnell says commanders also have to change stadiums and uniforms. So yeah, look at listen. Uh, this is just a a very a very messy series of litigation and meetings a bunch of billionaires and a billionaire corporation in the nfl now 
I, I think this, the, the, the team is going to be sold. It's going to happen uh, because they want Daniel Snyder out. And, and Daniel Snyder's like, all right, well, you guys want me out. I'm going out swinging. So um, we'll see what happens. I, I, I feel bad for the Commander fans uh, because, listen, like this is the, it's leaving a, a black a black eye in your organization. You know, there's so many things swirling around them. But I don't feel bad because I'm a Cowboys fan. But it, if, in to protect the integrity of the game, a guy like Daniel Snyder, um, owners like that, they just need to be outcasted and, and jettisoned out of the league uh, altogether because it's 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 I don't know. It, it, it's terrible. It's terrible. So, all right, we're moving on now. Uh, I know this is not breaking news, but, you know, we all know if you if you watch, you know, you the tea leaves and you're on social media and you know, you know, that the Jets were selected um, as the finalist for the new edition or a new installment of hard knocks which is set to air i believe in like later on this month july 19 july 20 something like that now a couple jets were not excited um which to be expected of course you know head coach robert sala not not excited aaron Rodgers basically feels that they're being forced to do it um and really i don't care i i, re- I really don't care um because here's the reasons now, the, now here are the before I get into that. There's there's a couple exemptions on teams um, to get out of not being on hard knocks, and the Jets did not meet any of the qualifications. Number one, you have a, a new head coach, rookie head coach. They don't have that. Robert Sala is going into his third or fourth year. Um, the other exemption is you made the playoffs the previous year, which they haven't done since 2010. Oddly enough, the last time they were on hard knock, hard knocks, they made the playoffs. Okay, um, and then finally, the other one was um, he. You, 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 if you were on hard knocks in the last 10 years, you weren't obligated to be on it and they, they haven't been. So, like I said, again, they were all last on in 2010. So, however, they, they, they didn't meet those requirements. But from a consumer standpoint, a viewer myself, this is an intriguing one to watch. Hopefully they're good. And I'll give you my thoughts on hard knocks overall. But you got the New York Jets, right? Big market. The land a, a quarterback in Aaron Rodgers. This team has young talent ready to take that next step. Um, some people will argue to say maybe a Super Bowl contending team, at least contending out of the AFC. So, of course, we want to see that. The other teams involved are, I believe, were the commanders, which which actually would have been probably pretty good. But I would say the NFL probably didn't want them on there because they don't need HBO to snooping around, digging around, and see what skeletons they can find, especially with Daniel Snyder still looming around. So, Again, from a consumer standpoint, it probably would have been fun to watch the Washington Commanders just because they're messy. It's 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 like watching, you know, Real Housewives of whatever city that they're in or uh, Black Ink, the tattoo show, whatever. It is what it is. Uh, and I think the uh, New Orleans Saints. Now, New Orleans Saints, to me, would have been kind of a sleeper. Their car, not much of a character. Their head coach, uh, Dennis Allen, mm, I'm okay. Um, really not a lot of cachet as far as, oh, I want to tune in and watch that. So... To me, the Jets were the best option considering their um, their availability as far as being available in that pool of teams to be included in the next installment of Hard Knocks. Now, again, I don't care how they feel because, listen, I want to see a good product. Now, again, Hard Knocks to me has not been the same in several years now. I mean, it, I, I, you can only peel back the locker room doors as much as possible and you're going to get the same thing. The only thing that makes it somewhat bearable is some of the players that they may 
they may highlight or spotlight throughout the episodes. Um, but at the end of the day, we all know what it's going to lead up to. It's just behind the scenes of what happens on an NFL team, which we've already seen that already plenty of times now. Um, but to me, the Jets were the best team. Um, there's probably some other teams out there. Uh, like I said, I think the Commanders would have been a good one, <laughs> uh, but the Jets, you know, they got selected now. So, you know, just deal with it. You know, they're, they're not going to be there long. It's not like this. It's not like they're doing the in-season hard knocks, which to me is kind of like a little oversaturation of the market. But nonetheless, the Jets were a perfect prime team to do so. Like I said before, you know, they got the new quarterback. You're in New York. You got this young team. I don't mind watching Sars Gardner talk a little bit. I like him. He's funny. He says a lot of outlandish, not outlandish things, but very comical things, you know, whimsical things. And of course, Aaron Rodgers is always gold for TV because you don't know what the hell he's going to say. Right now, he may be, he's going to probably be a, an, an asshole about it, but that's, that's, that's his character. That's how, that's his demeanor. Um, so, but again, I don't, you know, the Saints, again, would have been fun. Well, no, it would have been fun. Oh, the only person on the Saints would have been fun would have been Jameis Winston. The rest of them, I, I would care less about it. So I know the Jets as an organization, it's a hassle. You got cameras in your meetings, in your locker rooms, everywhere you go, cameras, 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 microphones stuck in your face. That's just part of the gig. Um, and the NFL is totally happy with doing that because it's selling their brand even more so. Now, you can't have the Dallas Cowboys every year. Now, I get it. People say, oh, the Cowboys suck. Whether or not they make the playoffs or they lose in the playoffs, it doesn't matter. The Dallas Cowboys will sell because people will tune in to watch the Dallas Cowboys win or lose. It doesn't matter. Um, and you have to have teams that provide some type of sustenance or substance to your episodes. And the Jets, to me, fit the criteria for that for this next installment. So um, every year, you know, there's always one or two teams, but I think for the most part, last year, I think they did the Lions, which kind of was like, you know, it wasn't a, it wasn't terrible, but it was like, okay, the Lions. But one thing I will say about watching the Lions last year, it did help give me an appreciation for their head coach. Um, so because I, I did not think he was a good head coach, but now, you know, you got to see a little bit behind the, the scenes. And you could kind of appreciate it. and look, look what kind of season they end up having. They didn't make the playoffs, but they they pushed for it. So we'll see what happens with the Jets. Um, Aaron Rodgers, you know, you put a camera on him, he's going to do something. Uh, so it'll be fun to watch them. So let's go head back over to the comments over here and see uh, how many times are we going to hear Aaron Rodgers say, leave me alone, or I have nothing for you right now. Wouldn't you love to know during hard knocks this year? Of course. Right. I mean, he, he's, he can't run from those cameras. <laughs> um, more of the Kardashians for the command. Yeah, and look, you know, I could care less for the Kardashians, but people tune in and watch that, man. It's a train wreck sometimes. So that sells. That's good TV. We as, as as human beings, we like to see destruction and chaos and all kinds of great stuff like that. Of course, you know. Um, Ben also says, I mean, who doesn't want to see the Saints back up? <laughs> Jameis Winston put his fingers in his mouth. <laughs> yeah, eat some W's. Yeah, you know. Uh Sports PSP says also Nicole Lynn, who's the agent of Quinn and Williams, helped him get his foyer included. Okay. Um, yeah, so we'll see. But the Jets, you know, I think it'll be a, a it, look, hard knocks is not groundbreaking entertainment anymore. Okay. Reality TV is not reality TV anymore. So things are staged, they're propped up. So I get it, but let's just be real. You know, Jets, just get over it. You guys will be fine. Hey, it helped you guys the last time. You guys made the playoffs. Matter of fact, you made the AFC championship game. The last time you guys were hard, on Hard Knocks with Rex Ryan. So we'll see. We'll just have to wait and see what happens with that. All right. Moving on. 
So we got about 50 plus days or so until the season kicks off in Kansas City with the Chiefs uh, taking on the Detroit Lions. So what I want to start doing from now until uh, the season starts is unveiling some previews, some previews of each of the divisions, AFC and NFC. Um, haven't determined yet if I'm going to do predictions yet as far as like who's going to win it in records. Maybe that'll come later on with some other episodes. But for now, just for now, in no particular order, I'm just going to be giving you guys a little preview on, on each of the teams. And the AFC West is going to be pretty wild. I mean, it's a pretty good teams in there. At least the two teams that uh, that but stick out the most are the Kansas City Chiefs and the uh, LA Chargers. And the Raiders and the Broncos are looking to have some type of redemption type of season, especially uh, the Denver Broncos. So, you know, we'll, we'll kick it off with the Chiefs first. I mean, what more can I say? They finished 14 and three and route to their you know, what, another Super Bowl in the last, what, five years. Um, they lost Tyreek Hill last year. No problem. Still took care of business. Why? Because you got Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Andy Reid. Um, and funny thing about the Kansas City Chiefs, I noticed too, they play a lot of their rookies. Now, some teams may stray away from that, but I looked up a stat that they were, what, third they were tied for third for starting the most rookies. They started seven of those guys, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and, and so that's only helping their roster, right? You look at the money that they're paying to, you know, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and you're thinking, well, how can they afford? Well, not even afford. How can they continue to be good? Well, this is why. They, they've they been drafting really well. Um and they play those guys. You see what happened with Isaiah Pacheco, the seventh round draft pick, who started in in the in the Super Bowl. You know, had his little run. So, you know, the the, the rich get richer with them. You know, and they added some 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 pieces to the offensive line. You know, Donovan Smith, I believe, from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who you know had a so so season, uh, and then Jawan Taylor to help bolster that offensive line. Why? Because you want to keep Patrick Mahomes upright. You know. You want to keep them upright. So, you know, you should expect more of the same with them. You know, they're pretty consistent for the last, what, six or seven, eight years. Um, you know, and they're not going anywhere anytime soon. Patrick Mahomes is getting better and better each and every year. Um, Andy Reid does, does not look like he's falling off. Now, the only difference is Eric Bieniemy might be go is gone. So will the offensive play calling kind of falter a little bit? I doubt that because Andy Reid is the – He's the architect of that offense, and him and, and Patrick Mahomes together, it, it, it's dynamic. So we'll see. All right, the, the L.A. Chargers, a very hipster-type pick for a lot of people to possibly challenge the Chiefs this year. Look. Order like a champ at Raisin Cane's. With tailgates of hand-battered chicken fingers and cane sauce and jugs of freshly made tea and lemonade, you can guarantee victory for every game day meal. Raisin Cane's Chicken Finger, one love. Order online or on our app. On paper, the Chargers have probably one of the best rosters in all of the National Football League outside the AFC, okay, period. Um, but they always fall short because they just can't get it done. Now, they were up, what, 20-something points in the playoffs last year, and they ended up losing on the road to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, but I still don't think this is the year for them. I think Brandon Staley is on the hot seat as a head coach. He's got to get it done. If not, he's out of there. Um and their quarterback, their young quarterback who's, who's destined to get paid here shortly, about 25 years old. Um, he's probably one of the favorites to win the MVP, you know, uh, out of the AFC. The AFC is loaded with quarterbacks. Um, and they've added some pieces like Quinton Johnson in the draft, the wide receiver out of TCU, to help with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Now, the Chargers may be without Austin Eckler because he's, you know, in the midst of a financial dispute or first contract. Rightfully so. That's a whole nother topic for that. Uh, but at the end of the day, 
the health of the defense will kind of determine what happens with the with the Chargers moving forward. You know, you got guys like Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa, uh, Derwin James, who who have all they all these guys have missed significant time uh, throughout their careers. Um, you know, if if they can't they can't get that health thing going, which I know you can't coach that up. It's just kind of a luck of a draw thing. You can't see them arguably competing for the AFC West. You know. Um, because the Chiefs are just that damn good. I mean, whether you want to say it or not, they're just that damn good, and <laughs> nothing you can do about it. So we'll have to see. And, and you know, you got new offensive coordinator Kellen Moore, former coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys, is now the offensive coordinator now in L.A. with Justin Herbert. How does that mesh well? Does that fit with them? We'll see how it goes. Um, but at the end of the day, um, <clears throat> you know, the, I think the Chargers really messed up. I think they should have let Brandon Staley go. Period. You know, he's a defensive guy, and your defense is one of the worst. De- not worse, but they're not a top 10 defense. But again, injuries played a part in that, but we'll see. All right. Denver Broncos, who everyone thought last year was supposed to just be a juggernaut. You, you know, you look at Russell Wilson, some of the weaponry that he had in his arsenal there. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett worked with Aaron Rodgers. So it, it just seemed like it would have been a simpatico fit. Didn't work out. Nathaniel Hackett's out of there. Um, they had one of the worst defenses in all of the National Football League, and they finished five and twelve for it. Uh, and Russell Wilson had the worst year of his season, of his career. Um, but they did something smart by hiring Sean Payton, a mastermind on a, and a tactician on the offensive side of thing. And he's a leader; he's a proven leader. Uh, unlike Nathaniel Hackett, who, like, literally after one game, had to hire like a a game coordinator to help him manage game situations. Like, dude, you're the head coach; that's your job, right? So that didn't work out. And so with Sean Payton coming in, you can kind of see look, their defense is phenomenal. Considering the fact that that defense was on the field more often than not, you know, if they can just somehow just be functional on offense, this team will be a lot better. Not saying they're going to challenge for the AFC West, but if Russell Wilson can get back on track, who knows? And they run the football the way that Sean Payton would like to run the football when he comes in. And they got guys to run the football there in Denver. And their offensive line has been, uh, um, you know, set up perfectly. They've improved that. Um, so why not? Why not? So those are some of the things you want to look about when you talk about the Denver Broncos. So again, are they going to compete for the AFC West? In my opinion, probably not, but who knows? Maybe they can compete for the second part, second place in the AFC West. And finally, um, you know, the, the Raiders, you know, <laughs> you, you let Derek Carr go and then you sign Jimmy G, which to me, it kind of was like a wash. They're, they're kind of like the same player. Okay. Um, they added Devonta Adams last year, who had an outstanding season, you know, phenomenal season. But just as a team, they couldn't get it done. And Jocelyn Downs is also on the hot seat. I would I would presume he's on the hot seat uh, just because they got to get it done, man. They have so much talent on the offensive side. Now, the defensive side of things is this: they're still, you know, they give up some of the most amount of points. I think they're like fifth or sixth uh, with points allowed. And that secondary is still hot garbage on trash day. Um, now they have elite edge rushers. We see Max Crosby, who's an all pro Chandler Jones. Didn't have the quite of a season that we, a lot of people expected him to have, um, considering his production when he was in Arizona. And then they went ahead and drafted Tyree Wilson out of Texas tech to help bolster that pass rush. So hopefully if they, they're, they're in their mindset, they're thinking, well, if we can get after the quarterback, that should help us in our secondary. So we'll see if that happens, if that works out for them, because if it doesn't, 
they're going to be in a world of hurt again, especially on the defensive side of things. And then you got the whole contract dispute thing with Josh Jacobs, who's not happy about being tagged. He wants to get paid. He he did lead the league in the NFL, or excuse me, he did lead the league in rushing last year, and he wants to be paid just like all other running backs do. So, uh, but you know, those are some quick headlines, some previews about each of the teams in the AFC West. Let me know what your thoughts. Actually, we can do that right now. We got some comments already. <clears throat> Patrick Brown says. AFC West is the toughest division in football. Long as Magic Mahomes is uh, king of the throne, divisional opponents uh, better bring their best scheme every week. You know, AFC West is one of the better divisions. I would say the NFC East is pretty good, too. You got the Cowboys, Philly. The Giants could take that step up again. And, you know, the Commanders, well, they are what they are. Um, he also follows up and says Chargers made the mistake of not hiring Sean Payton. That'll come back to burn them. The great as uh, Justin Herbert is, Brandon Staley can't make coaching decisions to help the team. I absolutely agree with that. Um, Chargers played their guys in a meaningless game, and Mike Williams got hurt and missed the wild card game. Exactly. So if they can stay healthy, that's the biggest. That's always been the thing. No matter who's the coach there, and and for the Chargers, is health, man. Is health. They got always have a. They always get bit hard by um, the injury bug. I don't know what it is with that. They just do. They just do. So, all right. Let's move on here. Uh, let me get my um, actual editing. All right. All right. So, I'm going to be doing this for every division. Um, along with the preview, we're going to be talking about the most impactful players. And today, the 10 most impactful AFC West players. Now, I, I really thought long about this one there's you know there's some guys that could have made the list or should have made the list i don't know you guys let me know what you think and i'll give you some of my reason i'll give you some of my honorable mentions as well so no particular order we'll just go by team by team you know we'll start with the chiefs of course patrick mahomes i mean the guy locked up his second mvp in what in five years he threw for over 5200 yards um 41 touchdowns and a qbr rating of 77.6 uh and won a super bowl um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I, there's nothing much more else to say. The guy's phenomenal. And he did it without a true number one wide receiver. Yeah, he did that. He's he's that dude, okay? All right, Travis Kelsey. Uh, again, probably going to be one of the greatest tight ends to, to play this game as, as he continues to play. You know, he's turning, what, 30, 34, I believe, this year, but doesn't show any signs of slowing down, really. He, he caught about 110 passes last year. Racked up over 1,300 yards and 12 touchdowns, and he is turning, you know, 34 this October. Um, but he had his most, probably most impressive season last year. Uh, again, him and Patrick Mahomes together. You don't need a number one wide receiver if you got Travis Kelsey on your team. So I don't think there's any argument with those two being impactful players in the AFC West. Now, it could kind of get murky for some people. You know, you got Russell Wilson. Some people say, well, why do you have Russell Wilson here? Look, it's not the best players in the AFC West. It's the most impactful, and he's an impactful player. Why? Because he plays the quarterback position. Now, he endured his worst season as a professional last year, finishing 5-12, and 12, uh, just did not do well, Tur struggled with turnovers. He had injuries. Um, I, I looked up this next-gen stat. He, uh, he, he held the ball. He was tied for holding the ball. Well, he's tied sixth for holding the ball the longest uh, for 2.98 seconds, which is a long time if you think about it. And then he he was he did not throw the ball deep. He averaged about 8.8 .8 yards in the air, which is not a lot considering the the 
the way the game is played now. That's like dinking and dunking now. Guys, are, you should be ripping the ball down the field. Now, a couple things. You know, he had injuries. He had a shoulder problem. Maybe that forced him to not maybe throw the ball deep as he wanted to. And he didn't have the protection. You know, he didn't have any other help, really. The coaching staff failed him, right? Now, hopefully that should all be righted going into this next season with Sean Payton. What Sean Payton did, he added, you know, offensive lineman, uh, Mike McGlinchey from the San Francisco 49ers, and he brought in Ben Powers from the Baltimore Ravens. So that should help them run the football, help them run the football and take the pressure off Russell Wilson to let him cook, to let him cook, uh, <clears throat> and, and therefore he can get back on top. Because, listen, you know, Russell Wilson, despite last year, has had a phenomenal career. He's still, when he's on, every, you know, he's one, arguably one of the better quarterbacks in the National Football League, but we'll see what happens, how he bounces back um, and see what happens. But I think if he gets going, he can definitely impact the AFC West and maybe propel the Broncos from the cellar right there at the doorstep uh, of the Kansas City Chiefs and possibly push for a division championship. So we'll have to wait and see. Another guy, um, you know, he doesn't really need that much introduction. Patrick Sertan, the third. You know, arguably one of the best corners, if not the best corner in National Football League. Um, he had 58 tackles. Uh, he had a pass rating of 61.3. And he only allowed 3.8 yards per target. So he's not giving up a lot. He's not giving up anything, really. And on top of that, he was one of five cornerbacks that did not surrender a touchdown. One of five. Okay. No one scored a touchdown on him. So the guy's a beast. And considering who he played last year, Devontae Adams twice. Um, uh, DK Metcalf. Um, who else did they play? I think I think they played the Vikings as well. And he just strapped them, seatbelt them. The guy is a phenomenal talent. So you know he's definitely an impact player uh, that you can't argue with. And uh, you know, all right, moving on. We got Max Crosby. Again, has gotten better each and every season. He's been a professional. He finished the year last year with 58 tackles. Um, excuse me, 89 solo tackles, 22 for loss, and 12 and a half sacks. Uh, and three forced fumbles. You know, the guy is a menace back there. Uh, for, unfortunately for him, we don't talk about him as one of the top pass rushers because he's on a crappy team. Okay. Or he's on a team that isn't in contention. So you don't really get to see Max Crosby uh, go at it, you know. But hopefully they can get better and maybe make a push for the playoffs. And, you know, adding a guy like Tyree Wilson and hopefully Chandler Jones can get his act together and play like he, like he can play. That'll even bolster Max Crosby's uh, impactfulness in next year's season. So we'll have to wait and see. All right. Devontae Adams, really not much more to say. The guy did his thing. 100 yards catching. Uh, excuse me. 100 yards. No, excuse me. 100 receptions. 1,500 yards uh, in receptions. And then 14 touchdowns. The guy's an all-pro. Arguably one of the top receivers between him and Justin Jefferson. Maybe Jamar Chase if you want to throw those guys in there but arguably one of the best receivers, if not the best receivers in the NFL, regardless who's throwing to him. Yeah, Derek Carr, now he has Jimmy G, doesn't matter. The problem with Der Devontae Adams next year is that you know, looking at their schedule outside of the AFC West, you know, he's going to see Sertain twice, but he's going to see Jalen Ramsey. Um, he's going to see, uh, who else is going to, Tredarius White, Sauce Gardner, a lot of those guys early in the year. We'll see where he stacks up. Now, he's he's him, right, as people would say. He's that dude. So I think he'll still, you know, he'll win his fair share of battles, but definitely uh, an impactful player in the AFC uh, by any stretch of the imaginary imagination. All right, Josh Jacobs, listen, the guy led the league in rushing yards last year. He won the rushing title last year. Um, he was a bell cow for the Raiders, right? Without him, 
you know, we don't know what happens to them, right? Now, Josh McDaniels trusted him a lot, especially, you know, catching the ball out of the backfield. They're going to have to do so even more so now with Darren Waller out of the situation there. So one less receiver. Josh Jacobs is going to have to step up now. Now, Josh Jacobs probably doesn't feel the need to want to take on more of a load if he's not getting paid. That's just how it goes. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with him and his contract situation. Now, he did get tagged. Uh, but obviously he's looking for a longer term contract deal to stay in Las Vegas or get paid that dough that he rightfully deserves, or at least in his mind, he deserves. So we'll have to wait and see. So, but definitely an impactful player. I mean, he averaged what four and a, or 4.9 yards per carry last year. That's pretty good. So you give him the ball twice. He's almost got you a first down. It's pretty good. Okay. All right. Justin Herbert, again, he's a you know, young stud. You know, he's the future of the national football league, only 25 years old. Through for 40 over 4,700 yards, 25 touchdowns. The guy has from day one when he stepped in for Tyrod Taylor against, I believe it was the Chiefs, um, in minute moments notice and performed the way he did. He's never looked back. This guy is a complete stud. Now he's gonna have to overcome a couple things, his head coach, possibly his offensive coordinator, um, and maybe injuries to his offensive talent or on the defensive side of things, but you know, he's due and he's next in line to get paid. I think he will get paid. Of course, he will get paid. If other guys out there are making money like Daniel Jones, of course, you know, <laughs> he's going to get paid. But he, without him, the Chargers are nowhere. He's on this list for a reason. All right. Derwin James is the next guy. He's probably the best safety in the National Football League. The guy is a utility. He's a utility knife or whatever you want. A Swiss Army knife. He, you know, he can cover. He can play in the run game. He can, he can sack the quarterback. He can pressure. The guy's phenomenal. Now, he suffered some early problems with injuries early in his career, but it seems like he's kind of gotten over that a little bit. Hope he can continue to stay healthy. But the guy is, uh, I mean, well, he's a chess piece on the football field. You move him anywhere. The guy can play. I like Derwin James. I think he's a great safety. You know, and there's some other good safeties out there, like uh, uh, Minka Fitzpatrick, you know, some other guys out there. But to me, Derwin James is the best safety in all the National Football League. So, therefore, he's got to be on this list as one of the most impactful players in the AFC West. And finally, Joey Bosa. Now, some of you may say, well, Joey Bosa, he but he missed like 13 games last year. Again, I understand that. But the list is not about how good you are per se. It's can you make an impact? And Joey Bosa, while he's been in the league and although he has been hurt a lot, when he's there and when he's healthy, the guy is a unit. He's unstoppable. Right. If he can stay healthy this year, this defense will benefit from it for sure. You know, guys like Khalil Mack could have been on the list as well, too. But Joey Bosa, as a pure edge rusher, the guy, you know, he got the strength, the size, the speed. You know, he, this defense will go as far as Joey Bosa will take them at the end of the day. And I don't know if that's a hot take, but that's I'm putting that out there. That's a statement that I'm saying. So, therefore, that's why he's on this list. Now, there's some other guys out there like a Rashawn Slater, honorable mention, uh, Khalil Mack, another Charger. Um, who else uh, we're missing? Maybe some offensive linemen, uh, Ben Powers, Mike McGlinchey uh, for the Broncos. Those are kind of impactful players. Uh, the Chiefs, uh, maybe like a Kadarius Toney, uh, guys like that. Uh, Isaiah Pacheco, maybe their offensive line guys like Jawan Jones or James, excuse me, Donovan Smith, perhaps, perhaps, you know, so I don't know, but these are to me, in my opinion, are the top 10 most impactful players in the AFC West. Let me know what you guys think that I miss on somebody, or is it someone that we should include or should take off? Let me know what your guys thoughts are before we wrap up this show.
Um, but yeah, yeah, man, that's it. So, but like I said, I'll be doing this every week until the season starts. You know, we, we got, we got some time before that happens. Uh, about 50, 52, 53 days until September 7th, if my math serves me correct. So we'll have to wait and see what happens. So, but all right, man, that's it. 40 minutes in the books. I appreciate you guys hopping on in the comment section. You guys were lit today. Appreciate you guys uh, for coming on. Uh, we did, we did get one last, one last comment here. John Rivera from the fan podcast. He said, let's go Jets. Uh, you missed me earlier, man. I was talking about the Jets. I don't know if you caught that. Um, I was showing them some love. I'm showing them some love. <laughs> um, but talk about how they should just stop crying about being on hard knocks and just get it over with. So it's going to happen. But nonetheless, hey, I appreciate you guys. Make sure you guys check me out again next week. Sunday, I'll be back with another episode. And check out my social media, man, platforms. I'll be posting on there shortly with some clips and maybe maybe some new content for you guys. Maybe something you guys might enjoy uh, in the next coming days or so. So. You know, but, you know, it's Sunday. You got better things to do now. <laughs> let's uh, let's end the show. Like, get up out of here. Like I said, again, I'll be back Sunday, same time, same channel. Tap in. Make sure you check out the Grid Network as well, man. We got a plethora of other social content media creators out there doing great things out there. Um, it's, it's phenomenal. So catch the wave. Get on the Grid Network, man. That's all I got. Appreciate you guys, man. Until next time, this is Clutch Sports Talk. NFL Sunday Wake Up with me, Ryan Flowers. Like I always say, never settle for the workers. I will see you guys later.